Hello, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard, alongside none other than John Tesh. John, how you doing? I'm I'm about as exhausted as you are, man. I am. This has been a crazy, crazy trip, and now we're getting ready to go and do uh, a bunch of concerts between mm-hmm. now and and Christmas, and Christmas time. Come yeah. see us, teshmusic.com, teshmusic.com. There's a link to teshmusic.com in the show notes. Also, we should probably tell you guys why we're a little bit late with this week's podcast. It's because, I mean, in addition to the book that you have been grinding on like none other that you've been working on, uh, the companion to the book is a public television special which will be your seventh, and we were just pitching the special in uh, at a conference in Scottsdale. We were, and uh, gosh, 25 years since Red Rocks. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, it, 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 PBS is a, has, I mean, they're a big part of my life. They started my music career when they eventually believed in, in live at Red Rocks. But this show, this show they, we had a great reaction to it. And, mm-hmm. and the, the, uh, one of the, the big cheeses at Maryland Public Television, the general manager said, well, uh, you guys have obviously been uh, studying us, and you've studied this because you figured out what, what public television viewers want. And he was right because we realized that it's not just about music. It's about encouragement and, you know, and mm. self-improvement. And stuff. That's really what the show is about. It, it yeah. is, and, yeah. that's, and that's, where, that's where public television is headed with its programming choices. That's the special we've been working on. So we were in Scottsdale uh, during when I normally upload this show, and we kept saying, oh, we'll do – We'll do the intros and stuff today, and then we, we just got bogged down with meetings and book stuff, and so it, it never ended up happening. But here we are. We're actually doing it. So before we do a little bit of other stuff, let me tell you, our guest today is Ivy Slater. She is a C-suite consultant. That means she talks to top people and helps them to figure out what they need to do with their Why business. is it C-suite? I, I always see this. Is CEO, oh, CFO, oh, COO. Oh, my gosh. All these C-suite. years, I always thought it was like, you know, at the top ABC or something like that. No. So you're right. It's, it's all the, the C chief, names. It's the chief. Yeah. Chief blank officers. Don't tell any of my CEO friends, <laughs> please. Yeah. So that's what that's what she does. She's got a new book from the bar to the boardroom, uh, and she she has a, a slightly different take on. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry. Yes, bar as in as in not not sorry b a r r e as in as in dancing, not b a r as in uh, you know right. drinking. Yeah. So I mean, is she a, a dancer or something? She was a dancer, oh. and then and then she became she moved into this consulting area, and she has a lot to say about the arts. Uh, and about sports and their and the influence and in how that shapes decision making. Oh, that's uh, good. In the corporate world. That's good. But here, right now, she would she her biggest thing is her five point communication system. And this, uh, and I'll play a clip for you right here, where she's talking about the importance of of direct communication by talking about how unhelpful indirect communication is. And we think we're being of service to people to not really hurt their feelings. Right. You oh, step I want on to toes. soften it. You know, I don't want them to feel bad. You know, they could kind of learn if I kind of write out a 20-page formula and I hide it underneath. Right. Maybe they'll figure it out. It's like, no, they're not going to. Be direct and clear in your communication. When we're direct and clear in our communication, we see results that are rinse and repeatable. So there you have it. So that we have that to look forward to. Uh, yeah. So that's that, that's that's my that's my intro. That's my that's tease. You know, normally have, this is have, normally where you take that them. to look forward to. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. Listen, I, I I just think that this podcast is so helpful, and you could be helpful to us by just. Uh, you know, not only just you know reviewing it and sharing it, and uh, because we we actually when we go out on the road and we go out on the road a lot, we have people who who discover the podcast first even before the radio show, which is uh, which is awesome. That makes me very happy. I mean, honestly, you know that's 
uh, I, I would say that one of the coolest things is is getting to meet people that listen to the podcast and finding out about them as we're out and about in, in these different cities. Teshmusic.com if you want to come see us. Well, and we uh, just before we uh, get to a, a quick piece I want to do before we get to, uh, to the Gibbs guest is, you know, we were at the PBS meetings, right? And we were uh, showing a, a sizzle reel, you know, just sort of clips of our, our new show, Songs and Stories from the Grand Piano. So we met the head of American Public Television, who is one of our partners, and we're at this reception thing, and I'm with Connie, and we're talking to her. Judy Barlow is her name, and, and Sean Helford. And so, uh, so Gib comes up, and, and she's seen him on the, on the sizzle reel, right? And, and, or the show, the whole full show. And so he comes up, and I go, oh, uh, Judy, this is, uh, this is Gib Gerard. And she goes, oh, the real star of the show. So Yeah, yeah. It's cocktail it's, hour banter. She's not. She didn't have a cocktail in her hand. But uh, there, that is one of our favorite parts of the show is when Git plays uh, plays Hallelujah. Uh, I mean, she may have been referring to your dance moves during Barcelona, yeah, oh, but I think it was probably Hallelujah. Or you know the warm up comedy I was doing between. But she didn't see that. She didn't see that. Yeah, that's right. a go. That's a go. Right. Let's, let's talk. Okay, so let's let's get going here before we get to the interview. Um, let's talk about exercise because. I've actually seen this, you know, having been in the sports world and, and, you know, met with trainers and look and, you know, whether it's speed skaters, skaters or downhill skiers or, mm. or, uh, even track and field athletes, there is a thing called overtraining and yeah. now apparently that's making its way into the, into the real world. So, uh, according to, uh, a study, uh, in the journal current biology involving triathletes, they had this study where half of them trained normally, the rest were asked to overtrain for three weeks. And when the study ended, MRI brain scans showed the athletes who pushed their bodies too hard mm-hmm. were less motivated, less energetic, and struggled harder to even finish cognitive tests. They showed that triathletes who were overtrained were less patient, more impulsive compared to those training normally, uh, related to everything, including, uh, including your money, your financial decisions, and your relationships. So overtraining can really be a bad thing. Well, it's it, it. You're just you're exhausting every part of your body, and so it would make total sense that that would that that would then start to influence. Uh, look, when you're tired, when I'm tired, I make bad choices. I just do. I make bad choices when I'm tired. I know when my kids are tired, they make bad choices. I can always tell, and I and I'm a little more lenient with them when they're extra tired, and I and I'm trying to get them ready for bed, and they're they're jerks. Yes, my children are jerks. Uh, I, I, I can just, I just know that they're overtired and I have to, I have to handle it accordingly. And so that is absolutely true of all of us and nothing like overexertion. So you got to find that sweet spot. You got to find that sweet spot with exercise. Cause we, we talked about how good exercise is for your brain. It's one of the, uh, hidden benefits of exercise. You know, you, you know, your body's going to get stronger, but what you don't realize is that it actually makes your brain grow. Uh, just so, yeah, we, we have to find that sweet spot, make your brain grow without tiring yourself to the point where, you know, you buy a Lamborghini on, on, on your credit card because you're overtired. Well, but, but the, but the, I, I know that cause this happens to me when I hear people talking about this on the air, it's like, Oh, well, I really shouldn't be going to the gym right, more than right, once, no. once a week, you know, yeah, it's like yeah. a li- the licensing effect. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, how do you know if you're overtrained? Good okay. Question. So, um, I mean, just from experience, cause I've, I've run a few marathons, Gib and I have run a marathon together. He's run several uh, Los Angeles. I ran some New Yorks. So we ran in New York together. And when I was training back when I was gosh, young, 23, 24 years old, I was getting, uh, uh, during the training, I was doing like 40 to 60 miles a week, but there were really, I was, or I wasn't, there wasn't any rest period. 
And so I, I got colds, I got bronchitis, oh, yeah. I got, and so it really does destroy your immune system if you go too far. So the way, I mean, if you're getting injured all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not able to sleep at night, right? Things, things like that. You should be, it, you should be hitting. If you're training properly, you should be hitting your pillow at the same time every night and falling asleep instantly, because if that, that's that's when you know you're in the zone. Is when you're is when that sleep comes on easily and deeply quickly. Right, and you're not overtraining. Yeah. Okay, so set us up here. All right, so here it is. Here, here's Ivy Slater. This is my, my discussion with her about uh, about the importance. Really, it's about the importance of relationships in in business and why every bit of business is about personal relationships. But we we go all over her five point um, her five point communication method as well as as the importance of the arts and uh, and sports in the psychology of business. Ivy Slater, you know, you're the CEO of Slater Success, and your new book, uh, From the Bar to the Boardroom, is is out now, and we just wanted to thank you for your time and for being here today. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to be here. So you have, I mean, you've started a number of companies, but your, your real thesis is that uh, success comes from real authentic relationships, not from superficial ones. You do it do you support that that uh refining of your of your thesis absolutely because true true success is about the people you surround yourself with because that's how you achieve it here's my problem i want to have real relationships i want to have the kind of relationships that breed success but i find that if i'm thinking that i want to connect with somebody for the purpose of of stepping up or for of of creating a business relationship it's really hard for me to make that authentic i always come i always feel like i'm being uh i don't know what's the word like i'm being like i'm being fake for the sake of business and it never really feels real even if i genuinely want to talk to that person so it's you know it's so interesting because people truly do business with people we don't necessarily do business with companies we do business with people. And when we really get to know people, I had the pleasure of going to one of the very, very big brands out there and um, touring their back end and learning uh, their inside outs of their customer service. Mm-hmm. And when um, I was sitting with one of their customer service people and I asked the question, because I ask a lot of questions, it's part of my business. And I said, okay, so what's the craziest thing you've ever done for a cl- customer? Mm. And they said, well, um, you know, customer call, they needed um, actually a pair of shoes because unfortunately there was a tragic death in the family and they were calling for the wife who could not find a pair of black shoes to wear to the funeral. Mm. And they're like, and you know, I, I said, I just make sure she had what she needed. She had to take care of other things. She's devastated. You know, it's kind of, a, it's a very, very sad story. Right. And, you know, I, this person said, I took that piece of responsibility. I felt for that woman and I went out of my way and I made sure they didn't just get a pair of shoes that they needed, but you know, they have a certain budget in their back end that they can do for customers. Mm. And she goes, so I sent flowers as well. Mm. And I said, really, you didn't, you know, you just, they called, you know, it was customer service. They called. Mm -hmm. They're like, yes, and they've called back and they've become a customer for life. Right. So when we really think about, no, we do business with people. When we actually get to know people, I was actually just talking to a, a client yesterday and we were talking about building out their book of business and uh, it, I do a lot of work with professionals in this way. And I, 
said, you know, do not just go and throw your business card around. Right. Really talk to people and find out people's interests. They're like, you know, so like what area of business they're interested in? I'm like, no, that's not <laughs> what we're talking about. Right. I said, what genre movies and books do they like? Mm-hmm. How many kids do they have? Do they like hockey, baseball, or football? Mm-hmm. You know, and you saw them like looking at me and they tilt their head, you know, that kind of puppy dog looked like, are you really serious? I said, I am really serious. And in that way, it's okay to even make a note on their business card to what their likes are and telling them, because I want to know that, you know what, when the next huge action movie comes out that I know you would have seen it before me, I'm going to now remember to ask you that review. Right. Right. And And it gives you an authentic point of connection. It it gives us truth. Right. You know, it is that authenticity. Um, I ended up ending, getting a client when I thought I was meeting this woman because we had met at this business thing and a whole bunch of us were talking about the theater. I live in New York City and like what's coming out on Broadway and who has seen what. And this is engaging conversation and the group kept getting bigger and bigger because it was interesting to the people around us. Right. And so when she said, hey, let's get together for coffee, I was like, oh, I guess we're going to talk theater. Mm-hmm. You and, know. and did you talk theater or did you close a deal with that? Well, unbeknownst to me, I showed up to talk theater when she invited me to coffee and all was excited. And she goes, okay, I'm so glad we're sitting down. We'll get to theater later. Um, I wanted to talk to you about your services. I yeah. said, oh, she goes, I now, she knew me then. Mm-hmm. She trusted me. She knows what I'm about. She knows what, what integrity, you know, we've gotten to know each other and we got to know each other through a premise of the commonality that we both enjoy the theater right. and built a relationship. She learned more about me and my business. And then she was interested in engaging. Right. So that's building authentic relationships right. and how business people do business with people. Right. Why? So why? But so why is that, especially with the especially with the Internet now where we can price compare online and, and kind of find the lowest common denominator? Why does what's so why does relationship still beat out the transactional? Like, why does authentic relationship still beat out the transactional notion of uh, of just I have the best price out there. I have the best the best uh, cleanest advertising. I'm going to have the best business because. Even the companies with the best prices and the cleanest advertising, problems occur. Mm-hmm. Did you ever order something online for the best price and the best advertising? Yes. And it didn't quite come so well? Yeah, it was like a third the size I thought it was going to be, or it was. Uh, it, it, I felt bait and switched by what I actually got sent. Yes, that's definitely happened. And then you call customer service. Mm-hmm. And that's the make and break of your future relationship with that company. Right. It doesn't right. matter how great that, how great their advertising is that they, you know, I would have spent another hundred dollars if I could have had what I wanted and they didn't even talk to me mm-hmm. and you end up going down that vicious cycle versus, Hey, I've had, you know, I've bought things online who haven't, who mm-hmm. has not at this point, really. Right, right, right. And, you know, um, the first one came and it was broken and then the next one came and it was broken. Yikes. And, you know, now I'm now I'm actually talking to somebody and they're like, oh, my goodness. And they started calling me, Mm. you know, their customer service training started calling me and said, hello, Ivy, this is blank from here. And I was like, oh, hi. Right. And then and and now now they've taken ownership of the relationship and it feels like they authentically care about what your needs are. And that's 
that will make you go back to that company again. And the next time I ordered anything of that elk, I ordered from that company again, even though the experience wasn't good, it was rectified because of the relationship, human to human, conversation to conversation, dialogue, verbiage. I I just, I I still struggle though with this idea because that customer service representative is creating creating relationship with you. um, But is that authentic? Even, Even if they truly are reaching out to you, like, is that the kind of authenticity that we're talking about? Is that enough authenticity? Or do we really need that level that you were talking about before where you have shared interests and points of, uh, of, of shared conversation? So, you know, in business today, we're, bottom line is we have both. Right. Okay. Right. Because we do have a lot of business that goes on online. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have that kind of layers of online presence. Mm-hmm. And when issues come up, you're gonna it, you're relying on companies that do really great in hiring great people and training great people who do care. Right. Right. Then in business development, you know, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. Mm-hmm. They don't, you know, you don't walk into an attorney's office if you have a problem and hire a stranger. Mm-hmm. You really get to know, like, and trust. Think about going to the dentist. It's, some people are terrified of going to the dentist, right? Yeah. You have you build over years. There's no like, oh, it's Dr. Mark. Yeah, but it's Dr. Mark. Well, Dr. Mark's a good guy. Okay. Right. Um, and you build this relationship of no like and trust. And people start doing, whether we're build, when we're out there building books of business and expanding our brands, looking to hire companies to work with our websites, they're they're representing our branding. That's a piece of representation. They're dressing our babies. Our businesses become our babies, an extension of us. Mm-hmm. And whoever we're hiring to work with that is having input in in a piece of truly what becomes a piece of ourselves. Mm. And so, the, so essentially, what you're saying there is, in order to maintain that level of relationship that we would all want, uh, we want we want to make sure that we hire the kinds of people that will that will facilitate that it will be the extension of us that we are willing to show. And as a, as an employee, you need to show that you can be that person that will maintain those relationships for the person above you. Is that, a, is that a good absolutely. Way of- absolutely. And it works the same way when you're building out new clients, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, a crazy thing. I, I, I've done business with the same person for probably over 18, close to 20 years. Okay. Right. Let me tell you, 18 to 20 years ago, I was a very different woman in a very different industry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like many of us, right? Right, right, exactly, yeah. And she was a different woman in a different industry. How is she still my client today? How is she still referring business to me today? Because you have this relationship and you both are looking for ways to help each other constantly. Exactly. And right. we, we've gotten to know woman to woman, person to person, mm-hmm. you know, we know when somebody's something's going on in one another's worlds, whether it be traveling to um, a special birthday occasion, or changing jobs, or mm-hmm. changing, or building a second company. Right, and and you guys are a part of each other's lives in each of those steps. Um, I, I, have, I have one question that, uh, that has nothing to do with what we've been talking about so far, but I, but I am, I, I'm genuinely curious about it and I want to keep going on, on, on the idea of relationship and, and how we can connect that and how we can build that authentic relationship. But your book title is from the bar to the boardroom. Were you a ballet dancer at one point? 
I was a dancer. I grew up dancing. I actually have a degree in dance. That's crazy. My sister has a degree in dance as well. Um, and she does, she, she is still, she works actually at Pure Bar now. I see the interesting progress that, that, that happens like that. It's a, uh, dance is great. I, and you know what it's, it's as, as, as we go down the side note for a second, it's very <laughs> interesting. I just interviewed a variety of, variety of people, myself, business leaders mm-hmm. whose background are either in the arts or sports and how they bring that into their leadership abilities. I mean, I, that's, that's, yeah, that's kind of why I was asking. Cause I think that's an important connection. Um, I think with with dance, you know, you're you're literally stretching yourself, uh, and you are used to being in that place of discomfort because you know that there's something that comes beyond it, and uh, and also finding the rhythm to work with other people, like all of those all those basic principles of dance, uh, they they extend into leadership. Like in or, in order to dance together, you have to have a count, and if you don't have yes. a count, if you don't have a vi- the count is essentially the vision, the choreography is the plan. Uh, and if you, if you can't be in step with each other, the whole thing falls apart. And if you can understand that principle, you can feel when somebody is out of step with you, even in another context. Why didn't I have you consult on the book? Uh, you know, you I, get I, it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like, I mean, I, I like those comparisons. Sports is the same thing. If you, if you can't find your teammate for the pass, you can't, you can't make the play happen whatever whatever sport you have to be playing uh and 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 you when you learn how to find that rhythm with other people even when your personalities don't necessarily mesh you that that's that's the value of sports that's why i think sports is more than just uh, a diversion i think it's an important thing for everybody to be involved in. yeah it's so interesting um i will if i'm consulting with people who are thinking of going into partnership, if I'm consulting and helping and people hiring new, very big high leads in their company. And they're like, well, how's the craziest way I could look at it? I said, okay. So when I was a dancer, Mm. if I did a running leap into my partner's arms, which is not that unusual, I mean, I've seen dirty dancing. I I know how it goes. Right. You've seen dirty dancing. You've seen your sister. Uh You know, it's not, it it doesn't matter what form of dance. You could look at salsa. You could look at, right. You're lift, you're being lifted. You're put upside down. If you can't trust this, that this person has you Mm -hmm. and truly, and that you are in alignment, Mm -hmm. it going in the same direction, you're going to fall on your head. Right. And you're going to end up in the ER. Yeah. Exactly. So you go in and you you give this kind of consulting, this kind of relationship consulting, this kind of understanding consulting uh, uh, through 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 um, through the Slater Success model and through the through through that consulting business. So you are telling people in the C suite how to employ these kinds of principles. And and I want to get to you have a five point system uh, or a five basic points that you, that you deal with in, in, in these, in, in these authentic relationship communications. So I want to go through what those five points are, because I think that's a real takeaway for, for our listeners today. So what's, what's the first one? Okay. So be direct in your communication, right? What, what does if that you, mean? <laughs> if you're right, if you're listening to this interview, you and I are having a direct conversation. We're giving, we're citing examples. Mm-hmm. You know, this is how this is used, and here is an example of how it, to use it. Mm-hmm. So be direct in your communication. How that works is don't hem and haw. You know, don't, uh, you know, it didn't really, really work that way. Um, no, no, no. This worked really well, and, and it worked, and these are the results we see. This didn't work well. Mm-hmm. And I know you made a hundred percent effort, but let's break this down and see why it didn't work so we could learn from it. Right. 
Right. So be direct. Some things do work. It, it's business. We're supposed to, you know, go back to that creative moment a minute ago that we were just talking about. We're supposed to be trying new things. That's our responsibility. That's the whole world of innovation mm-hmm. is to be trying things in the unknown space to push our creativity, to push the innovation world. Right. But we have to be able to look at it with analysis. So when we go back and we're communicating with our people, be direct. What's working? What's not? Mm-hmm. It doesn't really work for me that when you're out partying the night before and we were out together and we both, you know, and then you call in the sick the next day, it doesn't really work ethically as a leader of this company. Can we talk? Let's talk about that. Right. That's clear and direct. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that also comes along with uh, with like um, Thomas Edison talking about how he didn't fail 999 times. He just found 999 ways that it won't work. To, in order to get to the 1,000th way that it would work. And and if you're not willing to look at what went wrong and, and willing to be direct, because you can't correct it if, if you're not direct, right? So it, And you can't, the other person can't understand why it's wrong and begin to get to that 1,000th time where you actually get the light bulb to go off if you're not doing this kind of direct communication. Exactly. And we think we're being of service to people to not really hurt their feelings. Right. Oh, I want to soften it. You know, I don't want them to feel bad. You know, they could kind of learn if I kind of write out a 20 page formula and I hide it underneath. Right. Maybe they'll figure it out. It's like, no, they're not going to be direct and clear in your communication. When we're direct and clear in our communication, we see results that are rinse and repeatable. Mm hmm. And the, the other thing is when you worry about someone else's feelings, essentially you are paying their own feelings debt with yourself because now you're going to worry about it instead of instead of, instead of ha- airing it out and you can both process it. You're just taking the anxiety that you were worried about giving them and you're taking it on for yourself. And, the it, only thing gets, that gets exercised in, the, in, the case, in those cases is your pillow as you're tossing and turning all <laughs> night long and punching it. Right. You know, because it festers with it. It just continues to fester when it's clear, direct, and you release good communication. We all sleep better at night because then we could create actions that follow up. Mm -hmm. And it's the actions that will see the long term successes. True. True. Okay. So what's the what's the second point? So it goes back to that being authentic. Believe in what you're saying. So when you're coming from an authentic place and you're, and you're straight about it, mm-hmm. so don't try to be fake. Don't try to be somebody you're not. Don't try to put on airs. Don't try to look stupid. You know, be who you are and own who you are. Right. That's really great leadership. And in doing that, own what your strengths are and own what your strengths are not. How do you own what your strengths are not in a, in a constructive way? You, you can't come in, you can't walk into any meeting and just be like, you know what, I am I am really bad at X, Y, or Z at, at a first contact. So how do you start to own those 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 weaknesses? Um, great, I love the question. So I could own my weakness is I'm a crappy writer. But you've written a book, and I write content weekly, <laughs> and I'm a crappy writer. <laughs> And so I know. Land that plane. Okay. So I could go in and say, I could be speaking about my book and say, and everybody's like, oh, I can't believe you wrote a book. That's so impressive. I said, yeah, it kind of shocks me because I'm a crappy writer. (laughs) And they're like, no, come on. I was like, yeah, you should ask my editor. (laughs) Go try to find a, a comma, a semicolon, 
a period where it's supposed to be. Right. I said, I said, I'm a crappy writer. I said, I didn't say my content is crappy. Right. So be right. And that goes back to being that really clear and authentic. Yeah. So, Cause you're, you're owning what your weakness is in that, in that, but, but if you're pitching I'm yourself, if you're pitching yourself as a content creator, how do you do that? How do you do because that? I'm, I'm owning, right. I'm a crappy writer and I deliver really good content. So my content is really good. First draft of the written content. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I hope you have a red pen somewhere. <laughs> you yeah. know, you should have Grammarly on your computer if you're reading my stuff. If my editor hasn't read it, read it yet. Mm -hmm. You know, my editor and I have a great, great, great rapport because a lot of content comes out of this company. And she'll say, oh, my God, I read three to four sentences before I found the period. So I thought I'd add a few. I'm like, <laughs> somebody knew where they were stored. I clearly didn't. Right. Have a right. sense of humor about it. Know what your strengths are and what's not your strengths. It's OK. But understand my, what I put out in writing has to be written well. So mm -hmm. I have support systems in place. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be perfect in anything and everything. That's a completely unrealistic. Mm -hmm. But I know where my strengths are and I know where to bring in support and how to build my support team and my teams accordingly. Right. And that's that's not a new business adage. I mean, that falls under the hire your hire your weaknesses. Concept. Absolutely. It's the greatest thing in the world. How many editors can I hire? <laughs> I am up. I'm all in. You, you can each come with a period. I'm sure they're going to go somewhere in my first drafts. There you go. Yeah, five editors. Each of you'll have plenty to do. Each of you guys. Each one and take a paragraph, and I'll see you in a week. Uh, all right. So that's so you got to believe in what you're saying and have that kind of authentic communication. And part of that is owning your strengths and also owning your weaknesses, which which I buy. I just I think that sometimes owning your weaknesses is easier said than done. What uh what's what's number three? Number three is let's be aware of our body language. Mm -hmm. So um and, and I talk about this in a couple of different ways. When you're sitting in front of somebody, look them in the eye. Don't look at them on their nose or their chin. Don't look over their right shoulder or their left shoulder. Mm -hmm. Lean in and actually look at them. When you're in sales, when you're talking to potential clients, people feel a smile on your face. Yeah, so it's true. So we're on an interview right now. You're not seeing me and I'm not seeing you. But I have a really big smile on my face because I'm having a great time. And I can hear it. And hopefully the listeners can hear it. So how are you showing up? Right. In your body language. When you're interested in something, are you giving, are you leading in a little bit? If you're mm -hmm. curious, are you, is that, you know, showing through your eyes because you're looking at them and you say, oh my goodness, tell me more. I'm fascinated. Mm -hmm. And that lights up your entire face and somebody wants to engage and tell you more. Do you think that that's a generational thing? That there are, that the younger generation who has dealt with so much nonverbal communication uh, or, or just with, with textual communication and is not as good do you think, do you, have you found that they are not as good at picking up on the nonverbal elements that you're talking about? Um, I'm not letting the younger generation off the hook. Mm -hmm. Oh, you can't okay. let them off the hook. Look, right. every, everybody needs to do this because eventually, eventually you're going to have to look someone in the eye and, and we have, it's built into our lizard brain. If somebody's not looking you in the eye, if they are slunched, if they're, if they're slouched and they're turning their, their hips away from you, they're, you're, whether you're conscious of it or not, you're going to pick up on all of those cues. Your lizard brain just knows and it will put you off. 
So we have to be good at this kind of thing. I buy that 100%. I just wonder if if the if you've noticed that people of different generations approach their ownership of this differently. So here here's my take on it. They say, right? And I'm not the expert on here. So, but in in, in reading a lot of stuff, I'll mm-hmm. just put position it that way. They say we're formed, right? In the first 7 years. Right. Please, Lord, we didn't have a cell phone in, or a computer in our first seven years. Yes. We were actually engaged with people. Mm-hmm. So we learned a skill set. We learned an interpersonal communication skill set. We learned how to smile at people and look at people and play with people and interact with people. Right. So it's there. It is there. If you choose to walk through, and again, I'll reference the streets of Manhattan with your head in your phone and bump into people regularly, mm-hmm. you're, why are you living in Manhattan? You're missing the point of living in a great city. Right. Why would we be in Paris or London or Tokyo or Sydney or Australia or wherever it is in these wonderful places around the world and have our head down? Mm-hmm. That's a choice. Yeah. So... I, I truly think the younger generation has the skill set. And I think in business today, and I, you know, a lot of these companies, great thing, they hire people like, and companies like Slater Success to come in and reinforce communications training. Right. And communications training starts for me with great listening skills mm-hmm. and engagement skills and being aware of your body language and practicing and reminding people to look at people in the eye and have those practice dialogues. Well, you know, and this kind of circles back. Good communication means that you're able to equals good relationship and good relationship means you're able to anticipate the other person's needs and be able to, uh, or even if you can't anticipate the needs, you're able to ask about their needs uh, in a clear and concise way, and also they feel comfortable talking about their needs with you. All of that reinforces this notion that you initially started with, which is that um, ultimately authentic relationship leads to leads to business success. And I see how how body language would would convey uh, would would support that concept of of authentic relationship. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, number number four of the, of these of these primary points. So great leaders, coach versus dictate. And what's the difference and there? So if we're, if we're thinking, you know, it's kind of football season. So if we think football a little bit right. and you want your guys engaged, mm-hmm. okay? If I'm just saying, go and do this, go and do this, go and do this, mm-hmm. versus what will work best? How will this work? You know, and everybody builds their their team together, right? We were talking about it before in sportsmanship, in building it together. Well, the dictator is never as successful as the group that comes together to change the world. Mm. And when a group comes together to change the world, they pick up momentum, they pick up power. It's an, it's an exhausting position to be the dictator, right? Because all you're trying to do is, is to pull all these strays together. Right, right. They don't want to be, you know, if chase bunnies in a backyard. Yeah. Oh, there's a group of bunnies in the backyard. Oh, I want to go see the bunny. And your kids go out and they see the bunny and you go, and they all go in five different directions. Mm-hmm. And they're gone within 30 seconds. A blink of an eye, they're gone. Well, wait a second. I want to be them together. So how do we get them to want to be together? Mm-hmm. 
And that's the difference between coaching and dictatorship. It's, it's a huge buy-in. Mm-hmm. They see the possibility. They see what we're looking to accomplish. When you coach and you have buy-in from your teams and they're actually collaboration, brainstorm, creativity brought together, they show up at not even just 100%, but 100 plus percent mm-hmm. into the result. Right. Versus you running around your backyard trying to catch five bunnies right. and gather them together. Right. You know, you could see them, you know, Sunday football. These guys, they come out together. They are for each other. They do something well. They're all over each other, right? They're in this together. Mm-hmm. And then they go and surround the coach who's brought them together. It's right. like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Him too. He's part of it. Exactly. He's not, yeah. It's not his idea. He's part of their success. He's not the, he's not the leader of their success. He's a contributor to the success. Right. Right. And I think I think what really drives that point home is I, I, I currently am not a professional football player, as, as surprising as that may seem. Um, but I funny, me neither. Yeah. But but I will go on and watch great halftime speeches or or listen to great football coaches talking. And and that really underscores what you're talking about, because I find that motivating. And if I can find a football coach's talk motivating, like there's a great monologue um, in, a, in any given Sunday that's delivered by Al Pacino. It's the halftime in the, at the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. essentially. And I'll watch that sometimes just to watch it because it's, it's brilliant. But it's, I find it motivating. And if I find that motivating, that's the opposite of being dictatorial because there's no way I'm going to watch uh, football coaches call plays. I'm not going to go um, and watch, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm not going to listen to how to run a route better because that's completely irrelevant for me. However, the big motivational moments are very relevant for me and are inspiring for me and actually cause me to work harder towards the common good. And yet I have nothing to do with their common good. And so that to me really underscores this idea that, that coaching is, is powerful and dictatorship is, it's also, um, dictatorship is so disposable because in that moment, you need to do the thing, and the dictator will t- will dictate what to do, and and then after that moment, you either you either repeat that thing, um, or or that's that's a useless command now. Correct, because you can't. It's not adaptable. Right. We don't see how to adapt it. We haven't been trained in how to adapt it. We don't have any background on it. We just execute. Right. But how how when we do that, we don't have that knowledge. It's your whole teams, if you're running a team and you're the dictator on that team, your team will eventually, first of all, you're going to become exhausted. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, because you're running this with no right. input, right? right? Because they're just executing. They're not saying, hey, Joe, let's do this. Or, hey, Mary, let's do this. And, and well, when we did this, I found this. What if we do, let's share this with this side? And there's no collaboration. There's no brainstorm. There's no creativity. Right. And it's exhausting for the leader, it's boring, and you lose complete engagement as your team. Mm-hmm. And hence, the whole department will sink right. in the long run. It's, so, it's, it's sort of the things like, uh, it's so much easier to do something for somebody else than to teach them how to do it, right, when you're training somebody. And I feel like this is a similar mindset, like telling somebody exactly what to do versus motiv- motivating them to be a good, uh, you know, a good actor for your company or to be a good uh, whatever you, whatever, to, to, to be good. Uh, it's, 
it's it's different, but it's and it's so much more effort to try to be a good coach versus a dictator. It's so at first it's so much easier, I should say, and then it becomes so much more difficult uh, over time. You end up expending so much more energy in the long run, and you kind of burn yourself out that way. It's it's so easy to just tell somebody the way I want them to do it. Mm-hmm. It this is it. Just just do it this way. Right. Don't think. Just do it this way. Right. Right. And what happens when this way doesn't work and they don't have any thinking skills? Well, how does she, why does she, what is this person? What does Ivy want it done this way? If I thought about it, I actually have a better way. I wonder if she'd be interested. And that's, um, and that's essentially the difference between like basic training in the military and the elite fighting forces. It's not that it's not what they teach you to do. It's, it's the adaptability, their ability to adapt, overcome and achieve in the face of adversity. It's not the, it's not the rote method of breaking down uh you know breaking down ordinance of, of taking guns apart and putting them back together you learn in basic you know the difference between a navy seal and just a standard member of the the navy is is that is that adaptability exactly yeah i i know we're running low on time so i do want to keep moving your final uh your final main point it is if if you don't did not write anything else down write this one down okay be more interested than interesting Get over your own ego. Mm-hmm. Be more interested in the people you talk to than having to tell them about you. When somebody says, oh, you know, I, I was watching this, that, and the other thing. Oh, yeah, I saw that, and I, I'm an expert. Get over yourself. Let mm. go of your own ego. Lean in and learn about others. People actually don't really believe they, we don't think people want to know about us. So if somebody asks us more questions, mm-hmm. we walk away from that experience of getting to know somebody and saying, oh, my goodness, give yeah. fabulous. <laughs> he was he, I, 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 and they're like, oh, really? What makes him fabulous? Oh, I'm not quite sure. I don't really know anything about him, but he was so interesting. Oh, right. really? What did you talk about? I'm not quite sure. He was fabulous. Oh, I have to think how I connect in to, to see what he, you know, he mentioned he's in this kind of business. I'm going to call him up and see what he needs. I want to help him out. Right. Because my memory and my experience was wonderful right. because Gib was more interested than interesting. Right. Which, by Being the way, works, interest- works for dating as well. You know, if you're on a 100%. first date, ask a lot of questions and get the other person talking. They're going to love it. They're going to love it because the, our memory and our psyche says, this was a wonderful experience. I mm-hmm. want to repeat the wonderful experience again. Mm-hmm. So I want to remember that person I was engaging with because they were interested in me. Mm-hmm. I don't consciously realize it that way. And that is the result. It's true. That's a really great point. Well, Ivy, uh, I, I have taken so much of your time today and, it, and we've gone a little bit over. So I appreciate you bearing with us. Uh, the book is from the bar to the boardroom, choreographing business success through authentic relationships. If you want to go deeper with Ivy, you can also check out SlaterSuccess.com. I'll put a link to both the book and, and her and her website. If you're in, if you need corporate coaching, uh, obviously, you know I- Ivy knows what she's doing. Uh, if people want to follow up with you, is there another way people can follow up with you, Ivy? Absolutely, I'm all over LinkedIn, Instagram. Reach out. So I will put links to your social media uh, in the show notes right there. And then uh, one last thing, and I ask it to everybody. What is something we can start doing today that will make our lives a whole lot better? Love that question. Open your ears. Mm. Open your ears and close your mouth. Get a little picture of the, the three little monkeys. One is like covers their eyes, one covers their ears, and one covers their mouth. Mm-hmm. Open your ears and close your mouth. Listen to others. It's the greatest gift we can give. 
That is a difficult thing for a podcast and radio host to hear, but I will try it. This is awesome, and I I, I love the sort of the uh, uh, analogous, the metaphorical way mm-hmm. of uh, uh, so from from the bar to the boardroom again is the is the book and link and to is, where to buy it in the show notes, by the way. And isn't it isn't it wild that your sister is a is one of the chief bar instructors yeah, for we, for Pure Bar? We talked about that. Yeah. It's, a, it's an incredible. It's a, it. I see that in her. I see the more the more she exercises and does the bar stuff, the better she is as an analytical thinker. So I right. definitely see yeah. That. Anyway, that's it for our show today. Uh, wait, wait, you- are you calling Prima an analytical thinker? When she's that's yeah. all she's gonna love that. Well, you don't have to tell yeah. her. I don't. Yeah. I don't, wanna, <laughs> I don't want her to get a big head. That's <laughs> it for our show today. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you like this show, please first and foremost share it with a friend. Also, if you could rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, it helps other people find the show and is probably the most important thing you can do for us. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you want to follow up with John, it's facebook.com slash, facebook.com slash John Tesh. It's where we spend most of our time. We go live, post all kinds of videos there. He is also on Twitter, at John Tesh, and on Instagram, at John Tesh underscore IFYL. Uh, he will try to respond to all the stuff out there. But I am Gib Gerard, facebook.com slash Gib Gerard, at Gib Gerard on Instagram and Twitter. I, I try to respond to every DM or, me, or, or mention of the show because I do the show for you guys. And so, uh, yeah, your comments are the reason why I get out of bed in the morning because you guys are the listeners. You guys can make the show as good as you. What do you have? You get out of the bed because you have a three-year-old on your face. That too. But that's why I do the show is because I want to make the show for you guys. I, you guys are the listeners. I want, to, I want to interview the kind of people that you want. And so that's why I try to respond to every comment that mentions the show. But most importantly, thank you guys so much for listening. Yeah, you're such a liar. You got a three-year-old standing on your face. Thanks for listening. <laughs>